coming up on this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by Rivals.com and Hogbeat.com. We recap the Hogs' loss to Alabama 48-7 on the road, preview a home game against Mississippi State, Arkansas's perhaps final chance to win an SEC game this season, give you the latest in recruiting, talk a little hoops, and that's it. Let's do it. Welcome to, I guess, the first episode of our newly renamed podcast. We're now the Hogbeat Hour. If you were with us before, you know that it was called the In the Left Lane Podcast, and, you know, it just kind of lost its luster. Uh, I'm Nikki Chavanel from Hogbeat.com. I'm here with Andrew Hutchinson, our lead team reporter. Hutch, do you like the new name? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's going to be awesome that people stop making fun of the name. <laughs> uh, everyone liked to, to say we should be called, you know, in... The we right. had people vote on in the left lane, yeah. so at the time people liked it. In the left lane, you know, with the blinker on, that yeah, it's hazard on it in yeah, the shoulder. Yeah, it, it was it, it left us off. open for all sorts of jokes. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, we're back. Uh, it is game nine. Looking ahead to Mississippi State this week. Uh, kickoff is set for 3 p.m. in Razorback Stadium. Uh, looking back at Alabama, you know, left kind of a lot of questions in terms of quarterback play because once again Nick Starkle comes out and looks like garbage uh, and I don't even think that's being too harsh about it um, I think he went I think he had two more completions than he had interceptions yeah, five of 19 for I believe 58 yards uh, two of his interceptions went for 108 yards for Alabama so he had more passing yards to Alabama than his own team yeah so okay so on the first interception he throws to Mike Woods, who is very well covered. The ball gets kind of tipped up, and in Alabama, was it a linebacker or a DB? Do you remember? He was a linebacker. He scoops the ball up just barely. It, the refs say that his forearms blocked the ball from touching the ground. But when you look back at it, I think the ball touched the ground. Watching it live, I thought there was no way he intercepted it. It, it looked like it, was, it, hit it looked the like ground. an incredible play. Yeah. But I thought it I thought it hit the ground as well, but that we never really got a great replay of it. Yeah, and then the next two, I mean, once again, throwing into some great coverage, and the receivers just got beat. Were both of those on, or all three, passes intended for Mike Woods? I feel like there's one of them, and it may have been the first one, I thought, was maybe intended to, like, Dev Waley. Uh, like a little oh, like, maybe. dump down, like trying to get it to him short you pass, right. and got knocked up in the air. Uh, either way, I mean, I don't think it. I don't think it really <laughs> yeah. mattered. I think the I think the biggest thing uh, from those interceptions that I thought was encouraging, and, and Chad Morris talked about this on on Monday, was was Traylon Burks. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it on the eighty four yard pick six. Oh I mean, yeah, he comes streaking down the field. Almost catches him. If, I mean, if there was another 10 yards to go to the end zone, he would have gotten down before the end zone. 
uh, dove at the one yard line. And then they would have scored on the next up. play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would have mattered, but I just think you know Traylon Burks. You know, he just he just shows kind of the same effort that that I seem to remember from like guys like Jarius Wright and Joe Adams and and those guys when they were running downfield to to block. Uh, back in you know the Bobby Petrino year, so I, I just I think we should just kind of give a quick shout out to Traylon Burks for for being awesome, even though he didn't really do a whole lot of anything because he didn't really have a chance to do a whole lot of anything against Alabama. So they score forty one in the first half. I had a, a scathing um, halftime report on on Periscope that a lot of people enjoyed, but I ended up deleting because I accidentally dropped an f bomb, and I felt a little bad about that, but. Uh, <laughs> So they were down 41 nothing, and then, boom, in comes John Stephen Jones. He goes three and out, I believe, on the first drive, and then, uh, or maybe they got one first down, and then they punted it. But then on the second drive, it stays alive because Alabama commits an offside call on the punt, and so they get the first down. And then John Stephen Jones with little dink and dunks behind the line of scrimmage and a couple runs, they manage to get down the end zone, throw a touchdown to C.J. O'Grady, who breaks Arkansas's uh, touchdowns by tight end record. He now has 12, which is ahead of both D.J. Williams and um, Jeremy, Jeremy, Sprinkle. Jeremy Sprinkle. So that was the one bright side of the whole thing, but C.J. O'Grady didn't even get to enjoy it because he just wants to win, as do we all. And here's a crazy stat about that. He's got 12 career touchdown receptions. They've been thrown by six different quarterbacks. That's mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's just that's crazy. I mean, you got Austin Allen, T uh, Ty Story, Cole Kelly, uh, Nick Starkle, Ben Hicks, and now John Stephen Jones. Yep, six different quarterbacks in four seasons. Classic. Um, Arkansas made Mac Jones look very, very good, and he, he is a good quarterback. He's the back of that Alabama, but he went 18 for 22, three touchdowns, and then the final dagger was the long bomb that he threw to start the second half. That was the, the only points that Alabama ma managed to score in the second half. They tied uh, in the second yeah, half. They I mean, they honestly didn't even put in that many backups on defense. Like I'm looking at their defensive participation chart, and they have – like maybe a handful of backups that ended up coming in so not a terrible sign in that second half but Arkansas was able to stay on the field a little bit longer uh, so that helped them out but John Stephen Jones his performance do you think it's as good as some people are making it out to be no uh, because I think there's some people who now, this is probably maybe just a, a small section of the fan base. There's some people who think that he's like the greatest thing since sliced bread, <laughs> that he's just, he's a gamer and he can do all this and that. I mean, he won maybe. two high school state championships. Yeah, and I think he's good. I think he was better than people were making him out to be and people saying, like, oh, he only got an offer because he's Jerry Jones' grandson. You got to keep Jerry Jones happy. No, they're not. It's not that because he does have talent. Would he necessarily have gotten an Arkansas offer if he wasn't? I'm yeah. leaning towards no. But, oh, you know, it yeah, happens they, all they, the time. Well, that's the other thing, too, is they, they, I believe that year, that was the year Connor Nolan signed as yeah. well. They wanted a second quarterback. They needed a second quarterback just for depth purposes. Yeah. So your options are going to be limited. All the great quarterbacks aren't going to come here because they want to go somewhere where they're the only guy. Yeah. And so he was like, hey, this is Arkansas. This is you know, where he's probably always dreamed of going. Uh, and so he came here. But then, you know, as for his performance against Alabama, his stat line, 6 of 7, 
uh, I think 48 yards, something like that. Uh, he ran a few times. Uh, that does, I mean, it, it looks good, but as you said, it was Dinkin and Duncan. All, the, all six of his completions were uh, behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, so they're not like, he's not like he's throwing downfield, uh, but he, I think there is still something to be said about him being able to run the, the zone reads mm-hmm. and, you know, adding some RPOs off of that. that that's something that Chad Norris's offense uh, thrives on. Yeah. And so he's the only guy that can really do it because Ben Hicks ain't a runner, Nick Starkle ain't a runner. You know, KJ Jefferson, we think is going to be pretty good, but he's still just a true freshman. Maybe we'll get to see him this week. We'll probably talk about that later. But right now, John Stephen Jones, he's he's been in the system for two years. He seems to be a pretty smart guy and has a little bit of athleticism. There were a couple times where I thought he was going to get decapitated by Alabama defenders, but he got right up and kept on going. So I think that says a lot about him. And uh, I, think, I think we're going to see more of him as the season progresses. With all that being said, you are Chad Morris. You're two and six. You haven't won an SEC game in your career here at Arkansas, and you haven't won a Power 5 game uh, at all in your head coaching tenure. Who are you starting at quarterback against Mississippi State? You have Ben Hicks, who played for you for two years, three years at SMU. John Stephen Jones, who now has 48 total snaps. Nick Starkle, who is tied for third in the nation in interceptions. And... uh, K.J. Jefferson, your true freshman who looks to be, you know, progressing, but still, you have no idea what you're going to get out of him once he actually takes the field. Now, is this who I you're would Chad start Morris. if I'm Chad Morris? The whole scenario, everything's on your shoulders. What do you do? I mean, I would probably go, and this is what I think is going to happen as well, I would probably go with Ben Hicks, but have him on an extremely short leash where if he gets a couple of drives in and they are not moving the ball, a couple three and outs, that I pull the trigger and I go to John Stephen Jones and I would sprinkle in a few packages uh, for, for K.J. Jefferson just to see what we got. And if he's one of those guys that turns it on when the lights come on, uh, you know, Matt Jones, if, uh, back, you know, before you ever came to Arkansas, he was kind of that guy, kind of that guy who struggled in practice, wasn't a great practice player, but when the lights were on, he was incredible. And so maybe maybe KJ's got a little bit of that in him. Uh, but we don't know until we see him. But So that's what I would do. I, I would start with Ben Hicks, and you know, hopefully he can move the offense. We've seen him do it. We saw, we saw him do it against Texas A&M. We saw him do it against Kentucky. Uh, so he's, he's capable, uh, but then there's times where he's just not good. I mean, of course, that's usually against teams like Auburn who have a – the best defensive line in the country. I also feel like play calling factors into a lot of what Hicks has been able to show, especially not being able to get in the end zone. Uh, I, I don't like a ton of what they do in the red zone. Like there's too much running, in my opinion. You got to take more shots early. Uh, so I, I feel like he has that against them. But hopefully their plan against Mississippi State is a lot better than that. Um, I would also go with Ben Hicks. He just has the most experience. If my job's on the line, I'm going with the guy that I know kind of what I'm going to get out of him. While he is inconsistent, I know what he can and can't do. I know how he's going to react in a certain situation. Um, so that that's who I'd be putting the ball 
in their hands. Um, but yeah, I would definitely love to see John Steven get a little bit more playing time and see KJ for the first time this season. He can play through the whole rest of the season, all four games, and still keep his red shirt. So you got to see him at least a little bit. But I think a lot of it's going to depend on how Mississippi State starts the game. If they start off hot and, and, and Ben Hicks can't score after a couple drives, then yeah, you got to switch it up. But if Mississippi State is also struggling offensively, then maybe see what Ben Hicks can do and start getting things going. But the, the big key is going to be getting the ball in your playmaker's hands, and Arkansas has struggled to do that. Um, Traylon Burks, we talked about him earlier. He averages less than five touches a game. That's ridiculous. He's clearly, I think, your, your best offensive weapon, um, maybe besides Rakeem Boyd, but because of the offensive line and their struggles, it's, it's tough to say how effective the run game is going to be. Um, Mississippi State, I'm not sure that they're too tough of a run defense. Um, they're kind of middling as far as that goes. But, you know, I, I think you just got to get the ball in, in Traylon Burks' hands a lot more, Trey Knox's hands. Um, I want to say Trey Knox had one drop last yeah. week, and Traylon Burks had one as well. So you got to complete those as much as you can. It was good coverage, but you still got to complete those. Let's play a clip of what Chad Morris had to say when asked, you know, how many young guys he's going to get in this game and if we maybe see the young quarterbacks. Well, you know, first of all, we're, we're, we're going to win this football game this week, and, and whoever we feel like is the best opportunity for us to win that game uh, is first and foremost who we're going with. Uh, I don't know that right now at this point. Um, but, uh, but I do know that we're, we're we, uh, you know, all, all options are on the table. And we would love to have an opportunity to, to uh, you know, to get some more of our younger guys in at times. But we're going to win a football game, and, and uh, that's, that's our approach. So what it sounds like he said was we're going to win. But what he actually meant was we're going into the game with the purpose of winning, which is a very obvious statement. You go into every game hoping that you win. But a lot of people just wanted to run wild with it, and I think it's just because everyone has a very negative attitude of Chad Morris right now, understandably. Well, the reason everyone ran with it is because there were people like you and me who are at the press conference who live tweet his quotes, and you tweet out, uh, we're going to win this game. In context, it means exactly like you just said, like they're going to do everything they can to try to win the game. However, you pull that quote out of context, it seems like we're going to win this game, meaning I guarantee a yeah. win. That's absolutely 100% positively, without <laughs> a doubt, not what he meant. Uh, but then there were some publications that ran with it. I uh, saw it on Twitter a lot uh, just because I saw the tweet, but then you, know, you had publications like Saturday Down South who do not have reporters at the press conference, who do not have reporters who have covered every single Chad Morris press conference. Do they even cover games? Head coach. Besides they don't from cover home? games. I don't think so. They sit at home and they wait for us to do the hard work and get all the quotes, and then they steal them and they aggregate it and put it in their own content. That is not legitimate journalism, and you should not, if you're listening to this right now, <laughs> do not listen to Saturday Down South as a legitimate media source. It is not. Go to places like 
hogbeat.com or some of our other competitors who I'm not going to name right now, but you know who they are. Legitimate media sources who are constantly covering the team at all the press conferences, not, at all the games. Not that we're there also, but I mean, we're there, but we also know the coach. Chad exactly. Morris at this point in his career is absolutely not going to guarantee a win. He has never once guaranteed a win. That's just not who he is. He would never, he never aims to say something that's going to make a headline. That's kind of who he is. He wants to be as bland and coach speak so as possible. Boring. <laughs> he is so boring at press conferences. <laughs> Trust me, if he had actually guaranteed a win, you would have been seeing all sorts of articles about it. You would have seen people like me actually tweeting about it. I don't like to live tweet during press conferences because I think sometimes you, you try to tweet something that's exactly right, but Chad sometimes talks fast. He doesn't talk in complete sentences mm -hmm. all the time. So it's really hard unless you go back and actually listen to the tape, slow it down, transcribe it, and, you know, that's what we normally do. But if he had guaranteed a win, I guarantee you I would have tweeted about it and I would have been making a big deal about it going, holy cow, how could a guy that's never won an SEC game guarantee a win? But, again, that's not what he did, so I didn't do it. All right, so Arkansas is heading into this game against Mississippi State and hoping for much different results versus last season's game. Um, Two reasons I think it will be vastly different. One, Arkansas, while not improved statistically, they do have better players in my opinion. And it, on, this, on the other hand, they also aren't giving up quite yet. You could see it in the Alabama game, you know, tying the second half as it were. Uh, they haven't quit on Chad Morris, even though I do think there are players in the back of their mind thinking, um, you know, this guy's not going to get us a win. He can't. He can't get it done. But outwardly, they still seem very much together, uh, and you don't see a bunch of the social media stuff that we saw last year. Uh, is that kind of the vibe that you get? Yeah, I do. And on top of Arkansas having better players, Mississippi State doesn't have as good of players as they did exactly. last year. I mean, they had several first-team draft or first-round draft picks on Montez their defense. Sweat. Jonathan yeah, they, Abrams, who, they were, that they was were, a good team. They were very good, and you know they, they've got a young quarterback, you know, a true freshman. So I, I, I don't see them putting up 52 points or whatever it was like last year. Uh, and I, I think there is a little bit of motivation from the way last year's game unfolded. Uh, not just that it was a blowout, because as people pointed out when I wrote about it this week, you know, they had, they've had several blowouts, so why aren't they motivated for other games? But last year's blowout against Mississippi State's a little bit different. Mississippi State was a team that you thought Arkansas was a little bit closer to. It's not the same as getting blown out by Alabama. Uh, and also, they were they were kind of running up the score, Mississippi State was. They mm -hmm. had their backup quarterback in there throwing a deep ball on fourth and fourth down <laughs> uh, in the fourth quarter, already up, I guess it was 46 to and they were up by a bunch. Does Mississippi uh, State have like a history with Arkansas? No, no. I mean, no. I mean, it's a, it's been a good series, but it's not been one that's it's really not a like, rivalry. Yeah, really. it's not really a rivalry. It's not really hostile. Uh, it, but I just I think that that kind of rubs some players the wrong way, and I think it's totally fine if Chad Morris brings it up and talks to the guys, saying, "Hey, these guys tried to run it up on y'all last year. Let's try to go and and whoop them." And I think that's totally fine, and I think it. That kind of gives me a little bit of hope that there might be a little bit of fire in there. Like you said, they haven't quit. They might have a little bit of fire in there and, and, and make it a competitive game on Saturday. If Arkansas loses, does it matter how they lose? Some, some games, you know, if it's an embarrassing loss, uh, that makes a big difference versus a game like Texas A&M where they fought their little hearts out. 
a loss is a loss at this point. I have a feeling. I mean, you know, maybe against LSU if you play LSU close because that's you know they're number one, number two in the country. Uh, but Mississippi State's a team that I think a lot of fans feel like you should beat. That you're on paper, it's a pretty even matchup. Yeah. Uh, and they're on a I think a four game losing streak where they've lost by an average of like 20 points during the streak. Uh, so they're they're a very similar spot as Arkansas. And apparently their coach is on the hot seat, which makes zero sense to me considering he won eight games last year. Joe Moorhead, that is. Uh, but so I because, think because I think they've he inherited win. a program that was much better off than Arkansas. Yeah, and they've but only he declined. Won, he still won eight games last yeah. year, and and I think this year they've had some injuries at quarterback uh, and some stuff like that. Th- th- this was going to be a drop off year for Mississippi State. I knew that before the season because of all those players that left that went to the NFL. It's not an Alabama or an Auburn or a Florida or a Georgia who just reload with five-star players. Mississippi State is is a tough place to win. That's what makes what Dan Mullen did for so long so impressive. I think the key to this game is going to be obviously stopping Kylan Hill, who is the SEC's leading rusher, and then making Garrett Schrader as uncomfortable as possible. He is uh, throwing at 55%, so not fantastic um, and he's got seven touchdowns and five interceptions so he does make you know freshman mistakes <laughs> I, I just got so distracted by that video Hutch just scrolled by a Twitter video of a bunch of wild hogs just running I've never seen that uh, but I know it's a, a phrase <laughs> like a band that's of awesome. wild raised like by hogs wild, that's, that's how that, Arkansas got the nickname are these the, the rally hogs is this a sign I don't know. I don't know where this video is. Uh, John Neighbors, a uh, friend of the show, uh, has tweeted it out. If you want to go check it out, yeah, there's go a bunch check of ra- uh, wild hogs running through a neighborhood. That's that's very bizarre. In our classic, if you had money, who would you put money on? First of all, would you even bet this game? Is Absolutely it not. <laughs> At 100, well, one, betting on Arkansas games is not advisable for anyone, especially Arkansas fans. Uh, because when you think you've got them figured it out, figured out, you probably don't. Um, okay, but I have a gun to your head now, and you have to bet. So what are you gonna do? <sighs> if it's seven and a half points, it's a big number. Uh, I think I would take Arkansas to cover at least. I think it's gonna be a close game. These games typically are with Mississippi State, just traditionally. They're close games a except stat, for last year. A stat that, and I'm about to share this um, Q&A, but a stat that uh, Brian from Mississippi Sports Talk showed me was that Moorhead, his teams do not do well on the road. So that could factor in, but I'm not sure how supportive this Arkansas crowd is going to be this weekend. I also think it's going to be a really ugly first half because you, you talked about you know if, Ar- if Mississippi State starts fast or starts slow. Chances are they're going to start slow. They are a terrible first quarter team, worse than Arkansas. Yep. Arkansas, on the other hand, is a terrible second quarter team, like unbelievably horrible. Uh, it's going to be a, an ugly. I mean, it, it might be seven to three at halftime, and with the already small crowd, it's going to be cold. I think it's supposed to be sunny, so that's a positive. Uh, but it's going to be cold. It is homecoming, so maybe a few more people show up that, than than would normally. Uh, but I think it's going to be ugly play in the first half, uh, and it's going to be a very small crowd by the time the game ends, especially as it gets colder and colder as the sun goes down. All right, let's do that Al- or <laughs> Mississippi State Q&A. All right, everybody, I've got Brian from Mississippi State 
Super Talk. He's the beat reporter for Mississippi State. Brian, how can you describe the mood around the program right now and, and what Joe Moorhead's been going through? The mood within the program itself is one of trying you know, to move forward. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, frustration amongst the team trying to get out of this four-game losing streak. But Joe Moorhead himself seems very confident in his plan moving forward. Now, if you ask me that question about the MSU fan base, the word would obviously be frustration because they, they see Joe Moorhead as taking this program back. You know, it was, it was a nine-win program when he inherited it. He had the nation's number one defense last season, was only able to win eight games. Uh, and this year he's sitting at three and five. So a lot of frustration and confusion among MSU fans. But at the program itself, Moorhead and his group are still confident in what they're doing. Has there been talks like like there have been here about maybe a coaching change at the end of the season? I don't think there's anything coming from the athletic department like that among the Michigan fans. Yes, there's, there's a lot of that talk. Um, me, personally, I don't believe that's going to happen, even with a, a collapse, even if they were to lose its last uh, four games and finish 3-9. and nine. I think Joe Moore is going to get the 2020 season. Um, but, there's, I mean, there's definitely some heat on him, for sure. I mean, like I said, the, the program he came into has been due eight straight ball games, and now MSU is in real danger of, the, of that streak snapping. How has Garrett Trader looked, and just how has he progressed since he got there? He's been, you know, an interesting guy to cover. Um, you know, he, he really seems to fit what Joe Moorhead wants to do on offense. You know, he's a good thrower. He throws a pretty accurate ball, a catchable ball. Uh, but he's also a plus runner, good leader as well. For If you would not believe when you interview the guy that, he, that he's just, you know, 18 years old and a true freshman. Uh, so I think he fits into what Moorhead wants to do. Obviously, with him, he got a lot of true freshman mistakes. He's been turning the ball over a, a little too much. He makes, you know, sometimes a hold of the ball too long trying to make that play rather than just get rid of it or, or get out of the pocket, whichever way you want to do it. But I think the positive definitely outweighs the negative for him. He's the reason MSU fans should be hopeful about the future because he's very, very talented. What was his recruitment process like? He was Moorhead's guy. Uh, going back to Moorhead's time at Penn State, he was probably, if Moorhead had not taken the Mississippi State job, if he stayed at Penn State as office coordinator, Jared Trader would probably be in Happy Valley uh, right now. He was a name that popped up on the radar for the Bulldogs basically days after Moorhead took the job here in Starkville. Uh, and that process was, was, was pretty sudden that, you know, Moorhead knew that that was the guy he wanted, had been recruiting him for, for years, and was able to get him to sign. So the offense, has it just been that they've been kind of depending on, on Kylan, Kylan Hill too much uh, and Garrett Trader hasn't been able to, you know, complete at the level that he needs to? Or, or what's been the deal not being able to score as many points? There's a lot of, a lot of questions about, about the offense. You know, it's not just one thing. Um, Kylan Hill was really solid in those first four games of the year. But then against uh, Auburn, uh, Tennessee, and LSU, I don't believe he was over 100 yards total for those three games. If he was, it wasn't very much. He had a big game last week. State's receivers have been inconsistent all year. They've been plagued by drops, but they don't really have a true, you know, number one receiver like, you know, what Alabama would have with a Jerry Judy or Texas A&M has with a Jamon Osmond. Just somebody that you can just trust to throw the ball up there and they'll go get it. Uh, the offensive line has been sort of hit or miss as well. I think it doesn't have a lot of talent in the skill positions outside of Kylan Hill. I don't know how many guys they have that would start for most other SEC teams. And then you you combine that with a, Joe Moorhead's scheme has just been ineffective. Uh, you know the play calling has been pretty pretty vanilla for the time that he's been here. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of creativity to it. So it's it's just been a perfect storm of of 
not having great players and not having a great scheme to counteract that. And then defensively, what kind of caliber players did they replace You know their studs that they had last season with? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a three first-rounders off that defense, and, and then probably the most important one was Jeff Simmons, who I think he's been the biggest loss, uh, you know, especially when you consider the, the suspensions that MSU has suffered this year. Uh, the guy they had penciled in to replace him, Lee Autry, has been part of this group that was suspended. I don't expect him to play against Arkansas as well. He only has one game left to play this year right. uh, from first suspensions. I expect that to be the, uh, the egg bowl. Um Replacing Montez Sweat has also been difficult. Yeah, Chauncey mm-hmm. Rivers is a pretty good defensive end, but he's not the same caliber Sweat. And then in the secondary, Jonathan Abrams, you know, the state is not bad in the secondary, but they've been really beset by injuries the past couple of weeks. What's, what's hurt them more than anything else, Nikki, is it's not the talent that they've lost, but it was the leadership. On top of those three guys, guys like Mark McLaurin, who was a three-year starter, and of course offensively with Nick Fitzgerald, Elton Jenkins, Deion Calhoun, you just had so much leadership. And that void really doesn't seem to have been filled by anybody. So you guys are coming here on the road. Um, I'm not sure how much of a, an issue the crowd noise or anything will be here at Arkansas, given that fan support is kind of at an all-time low. But how how have the Bulldogs done at home versus on the road since uh, Moorhead took over? Well, they've been really bad. I mean, to put it bluntly, they're one in uh, one in seven on the road now uh, in Moorhead's uh, eight games. I'm sorry, more than six on the road in Moorhead's eight games as a head coach in the SEC. The only game they had any kind of offensive uh, output in was the Egg Bowl last year playing against an Ole Miss defense that was one of the worst in the country. Uh, and they, they continually shoot themselves in the foot, especially early in games. And they suffer from pre-snap penalties. They let crowds always get to them. They put themselves in first and 15, second and 20 kind of situations constantly. Um, the road has just been a nightmare for Mississippi State under Joe Moorhead. And uh, like you said, I don't know how much you can really expect from the crowd in Fayetteville this weekend. I don't know that it'll be a, I don't think it'll be a sellout, but it doesn't seem to matter for Mississippi State. They just cannot get anything going on the road. Take a look at Tennessee. Same thing. Wasn't a sellout. Not a great Tennessee team, but State could not get out of that early hole. If you had the money to bet, would you put anything down on this game? And if you would, who would you pick? This is a game I would stay away from personally, but if you told me I had to bet, I think State's going to win, but I might take Arkansas in the points here. I think it's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. Some State might win something like 17-13, to 13, uh, 20-17, something like that. All right, Brian, thanks so much. We appreciate you. All right, no problem. Thanks. All right. Moving on from football talk, which is fantastic, but at this point of the season, I'm like, all right, let's get this over with. <laughs> um, basketball. So Arkansas is hosting an open practice um, at, I want to say it's like 11 a.m. before. 11.15. 11.15 before the Arkansas game against Mississippi State. So that is a fantastic opportunity for fans to go check them out. Um we are still waiting and waiting and waiting for the ruling on Connor Vanover. Um, in the past eight days, there have been like 22 um, appeals either approved or uh, denied. So, you know, we're, we're getting down there. There's still about 58 decisions left to be made. Uh, <laughs> we're now 
five days away from the start of the season. What the heck are they doing? Like, <laughs> like come on, NCAA, what are you doing? It shouldn't be that hard. Read over the appeal if it applies. If you have a standard rule yeah. that you should follow, then yeah, it would be easy. But I have a feeling. It, They're just it's, making it up as they go. Yeah. Um, I feel like Connor has a decent chance, though. Like, yeah. they let go of the head coach. Perhaps they didn't really have a spot for him or something like that, but maybe maybe that's an, an issue. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, his, he has a sick grandmother apparently not too far away. So all those factors might work in his favor, and Arkansas could certainly use him. Uh, he looked great in the red-white game from what we saw. He was, like, the second-highest scorer in that game and also tied for first in rebounds, which is the biggest area I think that he'll be able to help out and as long as as well as spreading out the floor and becoming another shooter he's he's not a bad shooter at all i want to say just crazy yeah i want to say towards the end of the season he was shooting from deep around like 40 percent that you know that's when he kind of got in shape and everything uh but that would be an incredible addition to add to the team on top of you know isaiah joe mason jones and all those guys we were at the game against southwestern oklahoma state on friday night that was fun um Isaiah Joe was shut down. That was crazy. I mean, he only attempted five shots, so it's not like he was on the floor that much. He ended up sitting with four fouls, but the other, the rest of the team was able to pick it up. I'm still concerned that if he has nights like that, it won't go well for Arkansas during the regular season. Yeah, not every team's going to be a Division II yeah. school like Southwestern Oklahoma State. Uh, I, I was stunned. I didn't know that it was possible for Isaiah Joe to play a basketball game and go scoreless. I, I would venture to say he hasn't done that since you know he was playing you know pickup ball at the YMCA or something like that. Uh, that that would be uh, it, it, that was stunning. But it was good to see Mason Jones finally have a breakout game because he had really struggled. He really struggled against UALR in the first exhibition game. Didn't play particularly well in the red white game and looked really I mean he was he was the best player on the on the floor against uh, southwestern Oklahoma State so that was good to see and I'm also really pleased with Adriel Bailey uh, playing within himself he did not miss a single shot he took during the exhibition games I think he's nine of nine including seven of seven against southwestern Oklahoma and that, that's really good to see he's playing within himself that was something that drove people crazy myself included watching uh, the team last year is you had guys like Adriel trying to shoot jump shots, uh, you know, 12, 15-foot jump shots. That's just not his game. That's not what he's good at. But now he's playing around the basket and only shooting those layups and dunks. Those are much higher percentages, and he seems to be playing with a lot more confidence. He rebounded well. Uh, he passes well. So he, he's just become a really solid role player, and, and hopefully that's something that will continue throughout the season. Another thing I really liked is just that, Eric Musselman seems to know his players very well at this point. He knows what they do badly. He knows what they do well. Uh, the only guy that really disappointed on Friday night, I want to say, is Ethan Henderson. And, I mean, that, I mean, we haven't seen much from him. He hardly played under Mike Anderson as it was, and it doesn't seem like he's going to get a whole lot of playing time during the regular season with Musselman because he's not going to put you out there if, if you have, you know, a minus in the plus minus column, right? Yeah, he he hasn't really impressed me when I've seen him either at practice, the red white game, or the exhibitions. Uh, he he had some good moments against UALR, just like he had some good moments. I think it was 
maybe against Providence or Indiana. In the NIT, whenever he had to play when Gafford wasn't playing, he had some good moments, but he still, I don't think he's really consistent enough to where Musselman will trust him to, to be out on the floor for any extended period of time. We'll talk to Eric Musselman later today. Uh, he'll preview Rice. Should be a game Arkansas should win. Uh, it's a home game. What time? It's at 7 p.m., I think, Something on like the 5th. So get out to Fayetteville if you can. Um, coming to Fayetteville this weekend are several more official visitors. While Arkansas had planned to not host many more besides the guys that were already scheduled, uh, you know, that doesn't always work because guys want to make early decisions and they don't want to wait around until the end of the season. Um, we'll see if that works in their favor given we don't know what this game's going to look like on Saturday. Uh, they'll host Brady Ward from St. Paul's, Alabama. He's an offensive tackle. He has Arkansas, LSU, and Alabama as his top three. What a mix. <laughs> uh, One of those is not like the others. Yeah, but he does love the coaching staff. But unfortunately, if that's the only factor they have going for them, Brady Ward is a very woke kid. He knows what's going on. He, uh, if it looks like they're not going to keep Chad Morris or even the, the offensive coordinator, he might not want to come here because there's going to be turbulence, you know. Um, and then they'll also host Connor O'Toole, who is a last-minute addition to the official visit list. Uh, he's a wide receiver slash tight end from New Mexico, which is just totally out of left field. But I think the Arkansas coaches saw his tape, and they were immediately intrigued because he's 6'4", like 210, 215. And he ran a 10-7 in the 100, which is crazy for a guy that's a tight end. But honestly, he plays more receiver. He, he doesn't block a whole lot for his high school team. So if, you know, he's got the hands and everything going for him, I'd probably fit him more in the wide receiver column. Plus, Arkansas is kind of on the verge of losing Kelvante Dixon to Texas, who is more of a wide receiver than a running back commit. Um, so... If they lose Dixon, then they definitely have a spot for O'Toole. Um, and seems like a good kid. A lot of schools want him. Not a ton of SEC offers, but I think he has like 30 or 20-plus Division I offers. So that's, that's pretty good. His highlight tape has over 10,000 views. That's very impressive. Um, Not much else to do in New Mexico, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, some other guys coming to the Hill are um, Mike Harris, who is a safety from Alabama, who cut a top seven of pretty much all SEC schools. And as it were, it seems like Arkansas is really his best shot right now. So that's the one guy I think is really on commitment watch, although he's gone kind of quiet on me since uh, he told me that he was coming for his official visit. So we'll see how that goes. And then the last guy that is coming is, let me think, let me think. I know this. I know this. Uh, Aaron Moore, yeah. So Tennessee linebacker Aaron Moore. He is from Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro, God, that's hard. Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is home of Trey Knox. Um, Arkansas clearly needs linebackers, but I have a feeling there's something going on with Aaron Moore because he seems like a good prospect overall, but a lot of schools have backed off on him and don't really like him. So maybe he might not qualify or something like that. Um, you know, that that's something you have to consider because Arkansas has gone out and offered a new linebacker today uh, who is committed to Kansas. 
So we'll see if he even makes it to campus this weekend. I, I don't know about that. Um, basketball recruiting-wise, Arkansas seems like they're in great shape with all five of the in-state prospects. Um, Keon Ambrose Hilton, who is a Canadian, uh, he is about to, I think, pick Alabama, and I think the coaching staff is fine with that because they want to take all five of those in-state players. Um, and, you know, signing day is now just two weeks away. Uh, the only guy that might not sign early, it looks like, is Jalen Williams, but he is taking his final official visit, or might not be final, but the last scheduled official visit to A&M during the signing period. So if he takes that visit and then decides, ah, I've seen enough, I'm just going to pick Arkansas, he could still sign a little bit later in that signing period. That would be fantastic news. Eric Musselman knows all the buttons to push with this Arkansas fan base right now. I think the coaching staff is excited to welcome all the fans that might be, you know, kind of pissed off with football and how that's gone and bring in some more energy. Hutch, anything to add before we wrap this up? No, other than the fact that I just, I feel for everyone out there listening mm -hmm. because these are dark, dark times for Arkansas football. Uh, I wish I could tell you with confidence that it will get better, but I can't say that with confidence. So uh, just keep the faith as I know everyone, everyone does. Arkansas fans are, are a, a unique, special group. Uh, they have endured lots and lots and lots of pain, uh, but here they are, they're still, still there. So. Uh, stick with them and uh, preferably keep reading mine and Nikki's stuff <laughs> because we, we really do appreciate it even though uh, the product on the field may not be that great. We pride and we're writing a great, uh, great product on hogbeat.com. Another thing, we'll also have Dave Van Horn on Friday. Yes, so, yes, baseball. So look forward to some baseball. All right, everybody, have a good one. Hey.